Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Let's bring in Scott Lauber, who is one of the best in the business. Scott, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. How are you? Doing well. Um, what was it just like for you on a personal basis to cover a World Series uh, and do it uh, because you were covering the Philadelphia Phillies? Huh. Uh, it was um, it was pretty hectic, pretty crazy. Um, so I've been covering baseball for 17 years, and it is the I've been fortunate enough to cover now four World Series involving the team that I covered: two with the Philly, uh, three with the Phillies and one with the Red Sox. Uh, and so it's always a little bit more hectic when you're when the team that you cover is involved in it. But, um, you know, the stories are tremendous. The longer it goes, I think the t- more tired you get, but also the better the stories get and uh, the more people get into it. And it's it was really kind of cool, I'll say this, to watch the city uh, kind of morph back into a baseball town again for a month. Um, it was very different, um, you know, when I left in 2010, then when I came back in 2018, the uh, it had always been kind of an it was an Eagles town already, but it had really sort of taken hold. And the Phillies had been bad for so long, and it was kind of right up until you know when they clinched a playoff spot on October 3rd. I think a lot of people weren't sure if they'd make it or not. You know, maybe they'll blow it. You know, and and um, to watch the, the the city from about October 3rd right through the end of it, so for a solid month kind of turned back into a baseball town. That was pretty neat. That was pretty cool to see. Except for maybe places like St. Louis and a couple of other places, isn't that really the case now in most cities across the country where it really takes something like this to transform them back into a baseball town? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess so. I think I think Philly is a baseball town. Um, I just think it, had, it was a dormant one. You know, it was a baseball yeah. town that hadn't seen the postseason in, in 11 years. And, uh, I mean, look, you know it when you see it. You know, you travel the country and you cover baseball, and you know when you're in a baseball city and when you're not. And, uh, you know, um, you you know, it doesn't have to be St. Louis and it doesn't have to be New York. There are certain cities in the country that feel a little bit more passionate about baseball than others. And, you know, I think Philly falls into the category of, of a really good baseball city when they have something to cheer about. And they haven't had anything to cheer about for a really long time until uh, until this year. The Phillies had had, you know, the second longest postseason drought of any active team, and uh, or active postseason drought of any team. And for a few days there at the end of September, after the uh, Mariners clinched, it was officially the long out. Right. And uh, you know, I, I think for it to come back the way it did, um, you know, it was really, like I said, it was really neat to see, and, and it'll be interesting to see going forward now whether the momentum for baseball and the momentum for this Phillies team kind of carries carries well past opening day uh, or, or not. Uh, and, and I suspect it will. I think that I think that the city kind of fell for this team in a, a little bit. And, um, you, you know, I mean, not that they're not going to, you know, go crazy if the, if the Phillies start next year, 22 and 29, the way they started this year. But, you know, <laughs> I, I do think that there's some affinity now for some of these, for, for, for a bunch of these players. And, you know, I think there's the hope there that it's going to be more than a one-year deal. And one of them, of course, is Bryce Harper. You've been around some great teams uh, over the years that you have covered. How enjoyable is it when your best player plays the way he does? 
Yeah, I mean, I saw it. The only thing I can compare it to on a on a personal like on a on a personal basis with a team that I've covered is David Ortiz in uh, you know in the in the uh, in the mid 2010s. You know, I mean, David Ortiz yeah. in 2013 hits the. Uh, you know, hits the home run against the Tigers in the postseason that sends Torrey Hunter flipping over the the right field wall at Fenway Ram's Park, Ram. and you know that home run and, and Matt Stairs' home run uh, in in, 20, in 2008. That's really the yeah. only two that I can compare to what Harper did in Game Five in the NLCS. Yeah. Um, you know, hitting the home run to essentially clinch the pennant, and you know. I mean, really, it was that one and the Ortiz one for me um, were the two that, you know, because they were signature players in a signature moment, um, you know, th- those were legacy kind of things. And, uh, you know, I mean, he had a great month. I know he didn't have, like, he didn't set the world on fire in the World Series, but I didn't think the Astros were going to give him a whole lot to hit, and they no. didn't. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was it was really quite something to see. It's always quite something, I think, to see a great player rise to the occasion in the, you know, in, in a moment like that. You know, to be great at, at the precise time that you would expect him to. So, it was, it was, it was definitely something to watch for sure. All right, um, I did not see Game Six because I was on the plane coming back from Indiana, so I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, so, I, so what I'm doing is what I'm read about, didn't really watch it. But in reading about how it played out, it gave me the impression, and again, not seeing it, of Kevin Cash and Blake Snell in Game yeah. 6. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Similar circumstances, similar situations. And I will say this, and I feel like I've been saying this a lot, writing this a lot in the last 48 hours, you know, this is something that we see a lot in baseball nowadays. It's not just Rob Thompson and it's not just the Phillies. Right. Uh, a lot of teams essentially script out the game at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They decide early in the day that early in the series, in this case, that Jose Alvarado is going to face Jordan Alvarez in, in, in the first high leverage moment of a close game and that's what they do. And, you know, we praised Rob Thompson for doing it in game one, in part because it worked, uh, but also because, you know, we said, oh, look how aggressive he's being, look how bold he's being by bringing in Alvarado in the fifth inning to face Alvarez. And, you know, it was the right moment uh, in that game. It just was. It just felt like the moment called for that kind of urgency and that kind of aggressiveness. And, you know, then they used Ranger Suarez in the seventh inning, and that worked. And, you know, we said, "Oh my gosh, look at look at this bold bullpen managing." Well, you know, the situation was not the same in Game Six. It might have been the same mm-hmm. inning, and it might have been the same batter, and it might have been the same reliever that he called in. But Zach Wheeler was pitching the game of his life. He'd thrown seventy pitches to that point. His last pitch was a ninety-seven mile an hour sinker that Jeremy Pena rolled up the middle for a base hit. I mean, if the infield is shaded a little differently, it might be a double play. You know, there was no sign that Wheeler was losing it. There was no sign of any let-up. There was no indication whatsoever that, you know, even though there were runners on the corners in a one-run game, there was no indication, at least to me, that he had lost control of that game. And so if I'm managing, you know, and, and I have no way to prove this except for the guy who was sitting to my right, David Murphy, is a colleague of mine at the Inquirer, mm-hmm. and I looked at him and I said, I don't like this move right here. Other than him, nobody else heard me say that, so you'll have to, you know. But, but I mean, it just didn't feel like it was 
it was the right time to take Wheeler out of that game. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, if Wheeler gives up a hit or if he gives up a home run or you lose the lead and you lose the game, well, at least you could sit there and go, you know what, we lost with our best pitcher on the mound and he was dealing. And, you know, you can kind of live with that. And they can't say that. You know, they, they have to say that, you know, they went to the matchups and they went to, you know, they, they went to um, – you know what what the matchups say is the is the safer play is the better play and i just you know to me you know and and again like i said it's not just rob thompson and it's not just the right. phillies right exactly. uh, to me to me a lot of teams don't do that anymore they don't go with kind of what what it feels right in the moment but rather what what made sense at three o'clock in the afternoon when they looked over the matchups uh okay so in the off season let's talk about uh, Bryce Harper is he looking at any kind of surgery in the off season? It's possible. Um, we'll know more, I think, here in the next few days. Okay. Um, but it's it's possible he has this, this this elbow thing and hasn't been able to throw. And it's it's just going to be a, a question now of whether the the doctors think that uh, three months or four months of rest will uh, you know will will clear this up and. I have, I, you know, I'm not, I, I have no idea medically, you know, what, what this thing looks like or anything like sure. that. But, you know, it right. does, it does give you pause when you see that, you know, he missed, he missed two months of the season with a broken thumb. And when he came back and he tried to throw, it wasn't a whole, whole, the elbow wasn't a whole lot better. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but certainly if he needs any kind of procedure, they're going to want to do it here sooner than later. They've already lost obviously a month of their off season because they went so deep in the playoffs. Um, if he's going to need any kind of surgery, it's going to keep him out any length of time. They're going to want to do it as soon as they can. All right. Um, which now brings us to the shortstop situation. And, and by the way, Bryson Stott, I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in terms of a person being on the show, the whole thing. But boy, there are some intriguing names out there like Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, who have all put their, have decided to use their options to become free agents. Is this something the Phillies might, a direction the Phillies might consider? Yeah, I think they'll explore it. Um, and, and I agree with you on Stott. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a huge, um, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he had a really, really nice rookie year um, that I think you had to see to appreciate. You know, I don't, I don't think it's one of those deals where you can look at the numbers and they're going to jump off the page at you and you're going to say, you know, because um, he's not, he, he didn't put up great numbers. But I mean, if you watch the at bats, you know, they were all competitive at bats. Uh, he was not a comfortable out. You know, he was not an easy out for anybody. Uh, I thought he took even more, made even more strides after they released Didi Gregorius and, and, and made Stott the everyday shortstop. And, yeah. um, you know, he had a really nice year. But if you can slide him over to second base, where I thought he, he really. Uh, he really played well in Gene Segura's absence earlier this year, and you can sign a Trey Turner or a Dansby Swanson or a Correa or a Bogarts, you obviously make yourself that much better. So we'll know more, I think, again in the next couple of days. They have a decision to make on Segura, who has an option. They probably will decline the option, and if they do that, um, I think that's a signal that they're going to get involved in the shortstop market, at least you know, see, what's, see what they can do and see what's out there and um, it may even work for them financially. I mean, uh, you know, the, the one thing that might give um, you, you some pause is that to get Turner or to get Swanson or, or the other guys, Correa and Bogarts, you're going to have to go, um, 
you're going to have to give them quite a number of years on that deal. But uh, yes. at the same time, uh, at the same time, you know, if you take Segura's money and you take Didi Gregorius's money, which is coming off the books, and you put them together, it probably adds up to what the annual value of a of a shortstop deal would be for one of these guys. So. Financially, they might be able to make it work. Um, it's just going to be a question of whether or not it's going to be a, uh, you know, uh, uh, whether they want to get involved in another long-term deal again. It's a big question, especially when you've, you've tasted the World Series. And you're thinking, can we get back there? Interesting. You do great work. I really enjoy reading your stuff. I feel like when I'm done reading it, I've learned more about what's going on. Scott, thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Anytime.